Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be a discussion about Helaman chapter 9. So in chapter 8, remember that at the end of the chapter, Nephi gave us a cliffhanger. This is like one of those old Saturday matinees that uh, you got to come back the next week to, to find out how it ends. Uh, so in, in, the, in the previous episode, or in the previous chapter, I should say, uh, I like episode, Nephi has predicted that the chief judge has been killed by his brother. And so uh, that prophecy is going to be shown here to be accurate. So let's get into this one. Verse 1, Behold, now it came to pass that when Nephi had spoken these words, certain men who were among them ran to the judgment seat, yea, even there were five who went, and they said among themselves as they went, Behold, now we will know of a surety whether this man be a prophet, and God hath commanded him to prophesy such marvelous things unto us. Behold, we do not believe that he hath. Yea, we do not believe that he is a prophet. Nevertheless, if this thing which he has said concerning the chief judge be true, that he be dead, then will we believe that the other words which he has spoken are true. They must have had some belief, or they wouldn't have run to see. And it came to pass that they ran in their might, and came in under the judgment seat, and behold, the chief judge had fallen to the earth, and did lie in his blood. And now behold, when they saw this, they were astonished exceedingly, insomuch that they fell to the earth, for they had not believed the words which Nephi had spoken concerning the chief judge. This fact that they fall down to the ground and, are, and pass out, seems to be something that happens quite a lot to the Nephites. I wonder if it's because of the altitude that they're just running so much that they run out of oxygen. It just seems like an odd thing to me that this keeps happening. I'm sure that's probably not it, but it's just an opinion. Okay. Verse 5, but now when they saw they and now when they saw, they believed, and fear came upon them lest all the judgments which Nephi had spoken should come upon the people. Therefore they did quake and had fallen to the earth. Now immediately when the judge had been murdered, he being stabbed by his brother by a garb of secrecy, and he fled. And the servants ran and told the people, raising the cry of murder among them. And behold, the people, I wonder why it's so easy to kill the chief judge. It sounds like he doesn't have very much, uh, very many people to guard him. It seems like uh, you'd notice that uh, there's lots of chief judges that are dying that you'd, you'd beef up your security, wouldn't you? Uh, seems like an obvious thing anyway, but it doesn't seem to happen. Sorry, I digress. Okay, back to verse 7. And behold, the people did gather themselves together under the place of the judgment seat. And behold, to their astonishment, they saw those five men who had fallen to the earth. And now behold, the people knew nothing concerning the multitude who had gathered together at the garden of Nephi. Therefore, they said among themselves, These men are they who have murdered the judge, and God has smitten them, that they could not flee from us. And it came to pass that they laid hold on them and bound them and cast them into prison. And there was a proclamation sent abroad that the judge was slain and that the murderers had been taken and were cast into prison. And it came to pass on the morrow, the people did assemble themselves together to mourn and to fast. Stephen Ricks has stated, I have compared the types of and motivations for fasting in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Most interesting is the clear shift in motivation for fasting. Identical in both books. Uh, let's see, in the Old Testament and pre-crucifixion passages in the Book of Mormon, the primary types include fasting as a sign of mourning, fasting following a death, and petitionary fasting. The first two of these are not mentioned as types of fasting following the appearance of the resurrected Christ to the Nephites. The main type of fasting mentioned in the New Testament and in the Book of Mormon after the visit of Christ 
is devotional fasting practiced by the whole church. So it mentions here, as I mentioned in verse 10, that they come together to mourn and to fast, and that the fasting done prior to Christ was more of a mourning fast. Continuing verse 10, at the burial of the great chief judge who had been slain, and thus also those judges who were at the garden of Nephi and heard his words were also gathered together at the burial. And it came to pass that they inquired among the people, saying, Where are the five who were sent to inquire concerning the chief judge, whether he was dead? And they answered and said, Concerning this, this five whom ye say ye have sent, we know not. But there are five who are the murderers whom we have cast into prison. And it came to pass that the judges desired that they should be brought, and they were brought, and behold, they were the five who were sent. And behold, the judges inquired of them to know concerning the matter, and they told them all that they had done, saying, We ran and came to the place of the judgment seat, and when we saw all the things, even as Nephi had testified, we were astonished insomuch that we fell to the earth. And when we were recovered from our astonishment, behold, they cast us into prison. Now as for the murder of this man, we know not, who has done it, and the only and we and only this much we know, we ran and came according as ye desired, and behold he was dead, according to the words of Nephi. And now it came to pass that the judges did expound the matter unto the people, and did cry out against Nephi, saying, Behold, we know that this Nephi must have agreed with someone to slay the judge, and then he might declare it unto us, that he might convert us unto his faith, that he might raise himself to be a great man, chosen of God and a prophet. And now behold, we will detect this man and he shall confess his fault and make known unto us the true murderer of, his, of this judge. And it came to pass that the five were liberated on the day of the burial. Nevertheless, they did rebuke the judges in the, in the words which they had spoken against Nephi, and did contend with them by one, one by one, insomuch that they did confound them. Nevertheless, they caused that Nephi should be taken and bound and brought before the multitude, and they began to question him. It must be an open-air kind of a judgment thing, open-air court or something. Uh, to question him on divers ways that they might cross him, that they might accuse him to death, saying unto him, Thou art confederate, who is this man that has done this murder? Now tell us, and acknowledge thy fault, saying, Behold, here is money, and also we will grant unto thee thy life, if thou wilt tell us. So it sounds like they're giving him um, immunity. And acknowledge, but they probably don't really mean to. And acknowledge the agreement which thou hast made with him. But Nephi said unto them, O ye fools, ye uncircumcised of heart, ye blind and ye stiff-necked people, do ye not know? Do ye know how long the Lord will God, the Lord God will suffer you that ye shall go on this way, of, go on in this way of your sin? Boy, I didn't say that very well. Let me try it again. Uh, o ye fools, ye uncircumcised of heart, ye blind and ye stiff-necked people, do ye know how long the Lord your God will suffer you, that ye shall go on in this way, in this your way of sin? O ye ought to begin to howl and mourn because of the great destruction which at this time doth await you, except ye shall repent. Behold, ye say that I have agreed with a man that, I, that he should murder Caesarum, that's probably Caesarum, our chief judge, but... Behold, I say unto you that this is because I have testified unto you that ye might know concerning this thing, yea, even for a witness unto you that I did know of the wickedness and abominations which are among you. And because I have done this, ye say that I have agreed with a man that he should do this thing. Yea, because I showed unto you this sign, ye are angry with me and seek to destroy my life. And now, behold, I will show unto you another sign, and see if ye will in this thing seek to destroy me. Behold, I say unto you, go to the house of Seantum, who is the brother of Seizerum, and say unto him, Has Nephi, the pretended prophet, who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people, agreed with thee in the which ye have murdered Seizerum, who is your brother? Or Seizerum, I guess you say that. 
And behold, he shall say unto you, Nay, and ye shall say unto him, Have ye murdered your brother? And he shall stand with fear, and wist not what to say. And behold, he shall deny unto you, and he, and he shall make as if he were astonished. Nevertheless, he shall declare unto you that he is innocent. But behold, ye shall examine him, and ye shall find blood upon the skirts of his cloak. And when ye have seen this, ye shall say, From whence cometh this blood? Do we not know that it is the blood of your brother? And then shall he tremble, and shall look pale, even as if death had come upon him. And then shall he say, and then shall ye say, Behold, or because of this fear and this paleness which has come upon your face, behold, we know that thou art guilty. And then shall greater fear come upon him, and then shall he confess unto you, and deny no more that he has done this murder. And then shall he say unto you, that I, Nephi, know nothing concerning the matter, save it were given unto me by the power of God. And then shall ye know that I am an, innocent, that I am an honest man, and that I am sent unto you from God. And it came to pass that they went and did, even according as Nephi had said unto them. And behold, the words which he had said were true, for according to the words he did, he did deny, and also according to the words he did confess. And he was brought to prove that he that he himself was the very murderer, insomuch that the five were set at liberty, and also was Nephi. Cases of unwitnessed murders presented special problems under the law of Moses. So I want you to notice that, remember, he's confessed his sin of murder, uh, and under the law of Moses, that was not even allowable. Let's look at this a little closer. While two witnesses rule would seem to stand insurmountably in the way of ever obtaining a conviction in such cases, such slayings could not simply be ignored. Seantum's self-incrimination admission, self-incriminating admission, would normally not be admissible in a Jewish court of law. Under the Talmud, no man could be put to death on his own testimony. No man may call himself a wrongdoer, especially in a capital case. But from earlier times came four episodes that gave rise to an exception to this rule against self-incriminating confessions under certain circumstances. Those precedents, each of which involved convictions or punishments based on confessions, were the, ex were the executions of Achan in Joshua 7, of the man who admitted that he had killed Saul in 2 Samuel chapter 1, and of two assassins of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, as well as the involuntary confession of Micah, the son who stole from his mother, in Judges chapter 17. These, the, ancient, the ancients reconciled these four cases with their rigid two-witness rule by explaining that they involved confessions before trial or were proceedings before kings or rulers instead of judges. An exception was especially granted when the confession was corroborated by an ordeal, as well as by the production of the corpus delecti, as in the case of Achan, who was detected by the casting of lots and whose confession was corroborated by the finding of the illegal goods under his tent floor. Thus, one can with reasonable confidence conclude that in, in the biblical period, the normal two-witness rule could be overridden in the special case of a self-incriminating confession. If the confession occurred outside of court, or if God's will was evidenced in the matter by ordeal, lots, or otherwise in the detection of the offender, and if corroborating physical evidence of the crime could be produced. And that was a quote by John Welch. Verse 39, And there were some of the Nephites who believed on the words of Nephi, and there were some also who believed because of the testimony of the five, for they had been converted while they were in prison. And now there were men, I wonder who the missionary was that would, had done that. And now there were some among the people who said that Nephi was a prophet, and there were others who said, Behold, he is a god, for except he, had, he was a god, he could not know of all things. Sounds like, the, sounds like King Lamoni and the people there that thought Ammon was, was God.
For behold, he has told us the truth. He has told us the thoughts of our hearts and also has told us things and even has brought unto our knowledge the true murderer of our chief judge. As the Book of Mormon was given as a sign or wonder attesting to all honest truth seekers the authenticity of the restoration, so Joseph Smith, in harmony with the scriptural pattern, was given a sign to confirm the verity of all that Moroni told him. The sign was that when it became known that the Lord had entrusted him with this ancient record, the workers of iniquity would seek his overthrow. They will circulate falsehoods to destroy your reputation and also will seek to take your life. But remember this, if you are faithful and shall hereafter continue to keep the commandments of the Lord, you shall be preserved to bring these things forth. For in due time, he will again give you a commandment to come and take them. When they are interpreted, the Lord will give the holy priesthood to some, and they shall begin to proclaim this gospel and baptize by water. And after that, they shall have power to give the Holy Ghost by the laying on of their hands. Then will persecution rage more and more, for the iniquities of men shall be revealed, and those who are not built upon the rock will seek to overthrow this church. <clears throat> but it will increase the more opposed and spread farther and farther, increasing in knowledge till they shall be sanctified and receive an inheritance where the glory of God will rest upon them. And that was by Joseph Smith in The Messenger and Advocate. I bear testimony that these things are true and that what we're reading is translated material by the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time.